Welcome to Hub and Flow, a podcast produced by Natural Gas Intelligence. On a mission to provide transparency to the natural gas market, Hub and Flow focuses on key fundamentals driving the price of natural gas and LNG in the United States, Canada, and Mexico. Natural Gas Intelligence, or NGI, is a subscription-based price reporting agency, which means we provide trusted and independent natural gas pricing and news for the North American market. Hello, everyone, and welcome to NGI's Hub and Flow podcast. It's Thursday, July 14th. I'm Chris Linton. We're really lucky to have Sarah Berstow as our guest this episode. Sarah is the COO of LNG company Mexico Pacific Limited, a company that, that is developing a gas export project in Mexico's Sonora State. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. No, thank you for, for joining us. Uh, we've been meaning to speak for a while. So tell us a little bit about the uh, about the project. It sounds like AMLO and, and Biden in their meeting this week talked about it. I know that Mexico's president about a month ago also uh, talked about a permit being given for the project itself. So, so it sounds like there's a lot of momentum. Tell us about the stage of, of that LNG export project. Yeah, it's a really exciting time for, for the project and the company more broadly. You know, we've got a pretty unique asset here and an offering into the market. It's essentially taking you know, that fantastic U.S. Gulf Coast model and really enhancing it and de-risking it by locating the project in Mexico. And, and I think everybody acknowledges that. It essentially leverages much cheaper Permian gas and liquefies that gas on the West Coast, which is naturally closer to, to Asian end markets. And so that means we can offer all the benefits of U.S. index gas contracts and the flexibilities associated with those but with the added benefit of the lowest lender price of LNG into Asia and free of, of Panama Canal risk. So, you know, I think that so much of this stands on the fundamentals of the project and, and the proximity and location that Mexico really has to offer into the market. So for us, you know, we've, we've been doing this for some time now. For quite a while, we were the only West Coast North American project with material volumes really available for delivery exactly when the market needs it. And with the permitting certainty that you speak of behind it, so there's naturally been a lot of interest. From an FID perspective, you know, our anchor project is three trains or 14.1 million tonnes. We're focused on an initial FID of our first two trains, and we're really close to that now. We're, we're expecting to enter construction imminently, really. But with that sort of demand and the contracting momentum that we've had, we've really got to the point we need to be on trains one and two, that we're now able to focus on executing growth. And, and this is another big you know, benefit that Mexican ha- Mexico has. We're progressing well with our feed on train three and train four with Bechtel. They're, of course, lower carbon LNG trains. And you know, with that real growth ahead of us, we can leverage economies of scale that come with that to absorb some of the capital cost increases with lower carbon LNG to keep offering affordable and competitive priced LNG in the market. So, you know, while we're almost there on train one and train two, we've already started contracting train three as well now. So certainly exciting Mm. times. Yeah. And there was an announcement this week that you have a new agreement with Shell. Can you tell us a little little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, it's Shell's a wonderful customer for any project to have where we're certainly really happy to have their support for our project. And equally, I mean, it's a great validation that one of the largest global LNG players chooses to contract with Mexico Pacific, validating the project and the commercial model and more broadly, Mexican LNG. So a great contract, great customer. 
And as I mentioned, now rounding out to that point where we can really focus on those final steps to FID. Yeah, well, let's let's talk a little about a little bit about infrastructure. These export projects they take a lot of time. What what are you expecting those first two trains to come online, assuming construction does start imminently? Yeah, we're expecting first gas in, in later 2025 with first LNG, uh, the first half of 2026. So where our project's naturally been focused on Asia, there's been a huge demand for LNG in Asia through to 2030 in any event. But naturally with the geopolitical situation in Europe, it's really exacerbated the timing need for the LNG. So it's great to be able to have train one and train two coming online uh, in 2026 and three and four and then five and six for us will follow relatively quickly afterwards. Hmm. Those, and th- those, those figures, you know, the, the amount of gas that you would be producing, it's, it's quite, quite lofty. And you've, where, where is the, the feed gas coming from? And have you, you've secured agreements for that gas as well? Yeah. So we're, we're procuring gas out of the Permian Basin. It's a similar proximity to our facility as it would be for Brownsville projects. I don't think many people quite realize that. And of course, the Permian is one of the largest and naturally one of the cheapest gas basins in the world. So there's phenomenal growth in production planned in the Permian through to 2025 and really doubling again from there through to 2040. So it's an abundance of gas availability that we really have at our doorstep. But of course, in the Permian, it's largely a liquids driven play, right? So the gas is an associated byproduct. So there's all more of a reason for producers to need LNG projects like ours to evacuate that gas to keep the liquids flowing and to allow those liquids to hit markets in need such as Europe. Yeah, you touched on on the new sort of geopolitical reality. You are obviously of the opinion that LNG demand is going to soar going forward. Do you think that there is enough space in Mexico for all of these projects? I mean, there's the Semper project. I think Semper is de- developing too. The MPL, CFE has talked about projects. Just the other other week, we heard about a potential project on the other coast of, of Mexico as well. Do you see enough demand there for all these projects? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you think about the market before the geopolitical situation unfolded in Europe, Asia already had around 60 million tonnes of demand or incremental LNG supply that it needed through to 2030, with Europe now looking to to displace around, what is it, 115 or so million tonnes equivalent of LNG, weaning off Russian gas. There's a phenomenal supply opportunity in front of us. And, And again, that's just through to 2030. It really does continue out beyond then. In Mexico, you know, our, our project in total when we get to the six trains is, of course, around 28 million tonnes. But we see a real requirement and opportunity for, for closer to 40 million tonnes of supply out of Mexico. You know, there's still so much LNG in the world traded off the back of Brent. The US market provides such a strong diversification opportunity against those Brent offerings and existing Brent contracts We know that diversification in the world we live in today is incredibly valuable and important, but equally, U.S. gas contracts, which is what Mexico offers, also gives all of the flexibility that you need. And and we saw that through the pandemic, the ability to leverage really liquid gas basins allows customers to have more demand responsiveness, not necessarily just in terms of capitalizing on arbitrage opportunities through the market, but their own domestic demand fluctuations. 
So, you know, this this US LNG model that we have in the US and also in Mexico has so much value from, you know, an economic perspective but also a risk perspective that we really see a lot of that incremental LNG supply requirement coming from North America. Hmm. Interesting. And as you mentioned, it's a unique model because it's a Mexico project that sources gas from the United States. Obviously, you have the the approval of the of the Mexican government with AMLO himself mentioning the project. But what's in it for Mexico? What does Mexico gain from this this kind of project? Yeah, it, it's a huge opportunity for Mexico. I mean, these sorts of, of infrastructure projects are really once in a generation type project. There's tremendous value that it brings the country as a whole from an economic perspective. But you know, if you look at the the region of Mexico that we're building in, it is a largely remote area without a lot of organic growth prospects. So we bring jobs, we bring security, we bring you know a real socioeconomic improvement of so many lives, and that's something we spend a lot of time focusing on here at Mexico Pacific. How can we really improve? the lives of everyone that will be touched by this project. So it's a very exciting opportunity for us, but equally for Mexico more broadly. Yeah, very interesting. And, you know, in line line with that, would you also consider sourcing Mexican gas? No, uh, we're we're purely focused on U.S. gas. I mean, if you look at, at the Permian Basin, there's so much production growth there. It's incredibly low cost gas. And with that gas being an associated byproduct, if there's not a takeaway for it or an evacuation route for it, it puts a lot of pressure on the system, both from a flaring perspective, which nobody wants, and equally the ability to get those liquids out of the ground. So there is such a strong synergy in sourcing U.S. gas. I think, you know, we've got great support from both governments. It has benefit across both nations in pursuing that model. So that's certainly our focus. I really don't see it shifting from there. Yeah. You mentioned low-cost gas. Of course, the price of of U.S. natural gas rose quite significantly this year, got up into $9, was heading in the direction of $10. And then we had this explosion at at Freeport, and and prices have really come down since since then. I guess I have a few questions here. The first one is, what's your take on the relationship between pricing and, and LNG export projects? Yeah, look, I think that LNG export projects will ultimately become the market setter for a lot of US gas. While there's certainly a lot of demand domestically, the amount of supply, the reserves available, it well outweighs any form of domestic demand for that gas. So it really will ultimately become more and more linked to international markets, given that will facilitate the ultimate production required. Yeah, and given given longer term fundamentals, where do you see sort of the price of of Permian gas going? Yeah, Permian's really interesting. I mean, if you look at the fundamentals there and and again on on the back of liquids, so much of Permian gas production is produced at, well, really zero dollars break even for producers. So a lot of it really hinges off of takeaway capacity. Naturally, at this point in time, the majority of demand for Permian gas is, is East Coast and largely sort of Houston regions in the market. But naturally, there's a lot of, of transportation costs associated with that. So, you know, our project really offers up, you know, additional takeaway capacity, a different evacuation route, but it also allows us to leverage what ultimately becomes a, a pricing differential between Waha 
and Henry Hub. Waha is forecast to trade at an average of, of close to a dollar through to 2040 against Henry Hub. So it does add, you know, an additional pricing factor that is very beneficial for customers uh, in the LNG market. Yeah. I mean, given pricing right now, these projects are highly, highly economic. Uh, Sarah, uh, give us give us a sense of what it's of what it's like to work in, in, in Mexico right now. What are some of the sort of the regulatory hurdles? What are sort of some of the challenges of, of a company like yours operating in, in Mexico? Yeah, I mean, look, Mexico has so many benefits. We've, we've talked about the fundamentals. I think everybody sees that. And across both administrations, the U.S. and Mexican administration, there's always challenges with developing projects in in new regions. You know, we certainly saw that in in Oregon with Jordan Cove. One of the biggest factors is really achieving that permitting and regulatory certainty, the backing of not only federal but state and local community members and stakeholders. We, we've really designed our project in a way that ensures that support where we're making the right and responsible decisions rather than just trying to take the cheapest route or the most advantageous route for, for MPL. So we've been able to enjoy a lot of strong support. The backdrop, you know, from a macro level is naturally supporting a lot of the development there. Mm-hmm. So we, we really see a number of other projects that will come online, you know, might be a, a number of years after ours, but nevertheless paving the way for that to happen in future years okay so so you you think by perhaps 2030 you're looking at three four different lng export projects in mexico yeah we really see close to 40 million tons of exports out of mexico by 2030 beyond that again lng demand continues to explode uh, in terms of demand appetite and and that trajectory for new supply to come online through to 2040. We've seen, you know, Europe now badge natural gas as a green transition fuel. We've known for a very long time that in Asia, gas is required to displace coal. So the story doesn't end at 2030. And there may be a lot more growth beyond that through to 2040. But for now, I think the market is relatively settled on a focal point of, of 2030. Wow, really fascinating time. Final question, just a sort of a, a broader question on the energy industry from from an insider. What 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 do you think are going to be some of the longer term ramifications of of Russia's invasion of of Ukraine from a from an energy perspective? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, look, LNG is is more important now than it's ever been. You know, energy security security has always been of the utmost importance in Asia, you know, a region that has very little or depleting indigenous reserves so highly reliant on energy imports for, for security. And we're now seeing that in Russia. I think the, the challenge the industry and the market faces is just how much will Europe step in and in a sense pull the rug out from, from Asia in terms of current supply negotiations and, and contract aspirations to redirect that LNG into Europe. Energy security is certainly the word on everybody's lips at the moment. And I don't think that that Asia will really step back and, and allow that to happen too much. So we really expect to see a continued cadence of contracting out of Asia. We're seeing customers outside of China now really step up to the table and try to accelerate contracting to make sure that they have the coverage they require. 
So, you know, while, while it's exciting for the industry and it's great from a supplier's perspective, it's going to be a pretty delicate balance over the coming years. Hmm. Well, Sarah, let's let's leave it there. Thank you so much for your time. I look forward to, to keeping in touch and to hearing more about uh, your project and your journey. Wonderful. Well, thanks for having me today, Chris. It's great to chat. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Understanding the energy, regulatory, and political landscape is imperative to achieving success in the Mexican natural gas market. A daily information service that is trusted by active market participants on both sides of the border, NGI's Mexico Gas Price Index provides on-the-ground and independent news and insight, as well as market-informed natural gas pricing and flow data. Visit natgasintel.com backslash Mexico dash GPI to find out more about NGI's Mexico services and how they can better inform your strategy today. Thank you for listening to NGI's Hub and Flow podcast today. We encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it, and please do share it with your colleagues. A trusted provider of natural gas news, data, and pricing information for North America, NGI offers subscription-based products. Please visit natgasintel.com if you are interested in NGI and our services. If you would like to dive deeper into this subject, additional resources are available on our website as well. Just visit natgasintel.com and click on the Resources tab to find the podcast page.